game time. You're listening to the House League Heroes podcast with your hosts, Riley Barton and Tanner Chuby. Follow the guys on Instagram at underscore Riley Barton underscore and Tanner C-H-U-B-E-Y. Welcome back to episode four, season two of the House League Heroes podcast. We are near the end of June and we still have Stanley Cup playoff hockey. I'm joined by Alongside my partner, as always, Riley Barton. Riley, how you been? It's been a while since we've done an episode. Yeah, uh, honestly, I'm just happy that we still have some hockey to go ahead with for the rest of the year. I was getting a little nervous there. And and great hockey at that, too. We'll get oh, in yeah. more detail about that. But uh, how's things in, in Alberta been? You've just been keeping busy, and oh, they're you were just talking toasty. about the great weather. Yeah, it's it's been really hot here. Anyone in Alberta knows it's been raining a ton and then been super hot the other days, so... Oh, yeah, you guys had, like, a crazy amount of rainfall there a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, we had a big storm come through and uh, a lot of flood warnings and stuff. We had a tornado warning last week. It, it's been uh, it's been a mess. It's been Alberta, I guess. That's You know what? I saw a TikTok of it uh, looked like a tornado cloud was forming yeah. on uh, my buddy sent to me. So crazy there in Alberta. It's been, uh, you know, just the, the same old here. Just... Uh, <laughs> Saskatchewan just rain yeah just rain just sun every now and then if it decides and the mosquitoes are out in full effect now yeah. which is just <laughs> awful but um yeah we like we were saying we have uh some stanley cup hockey to talk about and uh the tampa bay lightning and colorado avalanche will go to a game six and riley we've been saying it all along tampa in <laughs> seven they and, will uh, not die. Yeah, there's a lot of haters out there after those uh, first few games. They they like to jump the gun, you know. It happens in every series against Tampa. As soon as Tampa goes down, people are like, oh, that's it. It's over. And uh, well, Tampa and likes to stick around. I, I will admit, though, like we, we've seen the last two years, the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? They were this unstoppable force, um, like really were in control of every single series that they won to go on to win the Cup. Um this year, you know, they were pretty evenly matched with Toronto. They wiped Florida. They um, took a little bit of time to get caught up to the Rangers. But this is the first time where it feels like the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't the big dogs in the yeah. series. And it dick and it's coming from the play. Like the Avalanche are dictating most of the play in this series. Yeah, one hundred percent. You can tell uh, these last uh, two cups have been. Um very easily stand very easy stanley cup finals for them um to say the mm-hmm. least and i think you're right this is this is the first big team that they've had to face in the cup finals in the last three years and it's showing a little bit that they don't know exactly or that at least they didn't know exactly how to play it i can't remember who said it it was someone on the Sportsnet uh broadcast but they said you know the the games that tampa are in right now they're losing the games that they used to win yeah it, it was those come from behind wins like i think it was game four um when colorado came back and we'll get to the offside call and and what uh our opinion on that is but like that's a game that in the past that's how tampa would do it you know they they would take a little bit of time to get their legs under them they would claw back they wouldn't give up and they'd find a way to win and now it seems like they're kind of just finding ways to survive in a lot of these games against the avalanche yeah, and um, I think one of their Tampa's biggest, uh, I guess, blessings from the hockey gods has been Darcy Kemper, who has not been playing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that last game, uh. three slap shot goals, <laughs> f- 
first one you gotta have that second one whatever screened but the third one are you dissing Jan Ruda's absolute bomb off the rush? Okay, that was crazy, though, how he just powered that right through him. Like, what a ripper. That's. I wish more players did that. Do I not? love it. Like, it's just, so just, satisfying when a slap shot just rips through the goalie. Like, they don't know yeah. what to do because of how fast it is. It's awesome. I, I'm surprised more players. And, like, that's Jan Ruda. And, like, no, just, like, good player, obviously. Yeah. But, like, imagine you had a guy like Kucherov coming down on the wing. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to absolutely <laughs> put everything I have into this. Yeah. Um, it was a nice goal. Game one was was a close game. I think that got a lot of people excited for the series. Um, the last episode we did, we, we uh, did a collaboration with uh, Into the Flames podcast crew. Go check them out. Um, but game one uh, got fans into it. It was a tight uh, 4-3 overtime win for the Avalanche. Um, and then game two, it was a 7-0 beatdown of the Lightning. The The abs were just all over them. That building was rocking. Blink-182 was making a comeback <laughs> for the first time in God knows how long. Um, and at that same time, I, I wasn't nervous for the Lightning. I don't think anyone is because you can't. They just did this last series. Yeah, go down two nothing. That's on what I was road. saying to people. People were like judging me, though. and then like obviously the first argument is well, the Rangers aren't the Avalanche, and it's like yes, that's that's a fair argument, which is fair. Yeah, but at the same time, like it's it's the mentality. Tampa is we know one of the best teams in the league, so it doesn't matter what team they're playing. If they can figure it out, they can figure it out. John Cooper, you know, he, he had a quote. uh it's said something along the lines of, you know, the hill just got steeper to climb, but we're still climbing, which is exactly the mentality they always bring. Like yeah. they know, they know what it takes. They know it's, it wasn't going to be easy against this avalanche team. Like on paper, probably the best team in the league. Like yeah. really, I don't think there's any arguing that. Um, but then, yeah, they go back to Tampa and they played a great game. Vasilevsky was, you know, solid. He was sturdy, six goals from the lightning. Um, the big rig looking to, to make his name known in NHL lore <laughs> with his fourth Stanley Cup. Um, and then and then game four is where a lot of the controversy started to come in. So And throughout this series, uh, like Braden Point played the first few games. Man, did not look good. No. Um, uh, and I think John Cooper finally realized that, yeah, you know what? Like, like here's how I look at it, okay? On the Calgary Flames, just because, um, you know, you watch them a decent amount as well. You know, say like, I don't know, uh, Chris Tanev, right? He's hurt. He's playing injured, which he was in, against the Oilers. You know, you look at a guy like Michael Stone. It's like, okay, he's not Chris Tanev. He's your seventh defenseman. But Michael Stone is still in the top percentile of players in the world. Like, he's yeah. a seventh defenseman on an NHL team. Like, he's got to be... He's got to be better than a 50% player. And I think John Cooper is, saw that with points. He's like, this guy's a non-factor out here. Yeah. And I think that's a good call and a smart one to make because, God, like Braden Point is such a difference maker for Tampa, but they do have guys oh, yeah. that can fill that role if he's not going to be at his best. And, yeah. How much money has Nick Paul made for himself this summer? <laughs> well, he's, he's solidified himself for sure. This guy was you know on the ottawa senators never really heard of him just picked up by the lightning at the deadline and he's been one of their most valuable pieces i mean like tampa just seems to do that anytime they pick somebody up but you know nick paul it's it's been that one's been a bit of bigger shock for me for sure 
Yeah, that guy's definitely added a couple zeros onto the end <laughs> of his paycheck. Um, so game four, uh, it was it was a close game. Um, it was pretty. I felt it was pretty back and forth throughout until the overtime. The Avs were clearly all over them, and then uh, Cooper got emotional in the. So Nazem Kadri, first of all, uh, was injured. Came back into the lineup with uh, a fresh new thumb. Um, <laughs> And scored a beautiful goal, by the way. That I mean, perfect. No yeah. one even knew it was in. It he was hidden behind the, the top of the back bar. Yeah, he didn't even know. No. Um, I was so confused. Like, what was going on that play? Everyone was so lost. Except for Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky was, like, the only one in that building who knew that it went in, I think. I thought he had it, too, yeah. like, at the start. Um, <laughs> there were two Avs fans. I don't know if you saw it. They were in, like, the corner of the screen. They were, like, the only ones that knew what was going on. <laughs> and maybe they just, like, were trying to play it off that it was in. But yeah. Um, so that that was a really good story for Kadri, man. The guy has had a not an easy playoffs going back to that that St. Louis series and yeah. just even past playoff experiences being suspended a few times. Um, but then John Cooper in the post game presser got got pretty emotional, you know, saying he he was very weird about it. Just like yeah. you'll see what I mean tomorrow, and I can't talk about it today. He's just such a weird human being. I know he, like, he's odd. He does. Like you would never guess that guy coaches a, a Stanley Cup winning team if you were just to talk to him on the street. Like, no, he he's a weirdo for sure, and I still don't really know what he meant. Like I, you know, like I know what he was what, upset about, but what it what did you think uh, of his him being upset about the offside call? I I don't know. Like I, you kind of have to be for your team, um, mm-hmm. obviously. Like you just want to, but like you said. It, he just is weird. So I thought the whole thing was just odd, just the way he approached it. So like I don't blame it him. It was very but I don't weird know why he approached it that way. Like, would it have not just been better if he just came out and said the refs just completely effed this up yeah. and missed that call? Like it was, it was. I've never seen a coach approach it like that before. But um, in terms of the offside, like too many men. That's one of the like. There's such a gray area in terms of calling that yeah. in hockey. Like, because really, anytime a team changes, you're probably going to have more than five skaters. Yeah, on and the that ice, that happens right? because the refs let it go because they they trust the players. They're, they know what the players are doing, and the players know what they're doing, right? So they're not trying to expose it all the time. So you can't mm-hmm. call it every single time. That would slow the pace of the game by way too much, and that makes players like that have speed. They'd just be way too good right because they just mm. exploit that lane change every time but yeah it, it was weird um and it also had nothing to do with the goal so no like and maybe it should have been called yeah. um there were six skaters but like Kadri, the fact you got danced by a guy with a new hand and kind of just let him get walked yeah you know let him walk right in i don't think and did blaming... you see the screenshot with the there were seven tampa players on as well yeah, exactly. So, like, so I mean it went went both ways really like um and that and that game the officiating has been under <laughs> uh heavy fire this yeah. final. Like holy, I don't know if you saw some of the calls in that game four like Headman got tripped and then Kadri got one right back. And I don't the problem is they have this mentality of and like that's Kelly Sutherland um and Wes McCauley, like they're yeah. two most experienced referees, so to say. The problem is they have this thing where it's like, we're just going to let them play. We're going to let things slide. But the problem is 
there's always one team that's a little bit more abusive of that yeah. uh, leniency than the They're other. And then what, what that's doing, you are rewarding the team who is committing infractions to the rules. Yeah. And I just, I don't, I get it. I mean, I think it's weird because we don't see it lots, but man, if there's a game where a team takes eight penalties and you only find three on the other man, that's just how you call it. Yeah. Like, you have to just call it that way. And I know that's not going to happen, but yeah, you can't go shot for shot. Um, just for the sake of going shot to shot, you got, you got to stick to what the game is. And I, I understand why, because we like to see things go in the playoffs. Right. And, it, and you don't mm-hmm. want to see like those nitty, like, slashes and stuff just get called every 30 seconds because that's what's going to happen but you got to make your mind up at some point and get the yeah. flow of the game to still be going like i guarantee you the penalties if this goes whether it be six or seven it's going to be seven come on let's be real everyone but the calls are going to be even i guarantee you, you look at the box score after the two games no team is going to have more penalties than the other yeah they're not going to do that <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna try and find any call they can to even it up if they have to or just let things slide yeah and um and then so yeah the, the abs take a 3-1 series lead um at, with lord stanley in the building uh on home ice the tampa bay lightning come in uh, John Cooper, after that kind of uh, outburst, I guess not outburst, but kind of just sheepish uh, comments in the media the next day, he says, you know, I, I'm sorry, and uh, we're just looking to to go play in, in Colorado. And then he got interviewed on the bench as well, and he's like, yeah, you know, I don't think a day in the NHL can be str- in the stressful. You know, I'm living the dream job. Like, he's just – yeah, I, I think he's just playing mind games, man. Cause I, I, a lot of people are head. saying that as well, that he's a genius. Like, he, he's trying to deflect things different ways, right? And, like, he's, he messes with the media. He messes with the fans. He, he's probably, And, in turn, he probably messes with the management in Colorado, right? Like, do you ever think – if I was a player and he like told you your performance was good, I don't think I'd believe him. Yeah, I'd be like, like "That was rude of you." Yeah, like, <laughs> what, and then he comes the next day and bag skates you for yeah. an hour. <laughs> like, what the hell, Coop? Yeah. Um, but Tampa, they were resilient. They got outplayed um, for sure. Andre Vasilevsky was the Vasilevsky they needed. Yep. Um, and ironically. Uh, in the final minutes of the game, Colorado takes a too many men infraction, which was a clear one. Yeah, by the that, way, that one needed to be called. <laughs> you can't ignore that. Um, they messed the line change up twice. Yeah, and um, again, the officiating there there were some missed calls, like McCarr's uh, break into the zone on the breakaway got slashed on the hands by both sides, which got missed. I could see why Avs fans are are upset about that. Yeah, but. Uh, we got to talk about one guy, and that's Andre Palat. I don't think there could be a more clutch human being right now in the <laughs> NHL. This guy is just, he just, every time you hear Palat, it's just like that freaking guy. Like yeah. he's just, he, he always finds a way to, to get in that big moment against your team or whoever you're rooting for. Yeah, he seems, I, I feel like Palat in the regular season is a very consistent player. You know, he plays his role well and he gets points where he needs to. And in the playoffs, he does that same thing. He, like, he doesn't lose any steam coming out of the regular season going into the playoffs. And he even amplifies it a little bit, which players that play in his rank don't usually tend to do. And it's huge for Tampa. It's, I, I think part of it too, like, and I don't 
I don't know how true this is with NHL teams, but you look at it like a team like Tampa, right? Everyone hears Stamkos, Kucherov, Point, whatever, Hedman. I, I think like he's really a guy that kind of flies under the radar. This has oh, kind yeah. of been like he's been doing this for years, like you said. Like this isn't anything new with Palat, but like it's just kind of like people I think are starting to realize like how good this guy is. And it's like, man, he's kind of eating teams alive whenever they just forget about him and he's scoring at the right moments. Um, he kind of reminds his, his, me of um, of JT Miller uh, coming out of yes. Tampa, going to Vancouver and getting his own light and lighting it up and now being one of our star players, right? And once he got some room for himself. Um, and and Palat uh, is a, a free agent after this year. He's a UFA. I don't think they're going to be able to to bring him back. Which, uh, yeah, but you're right though. Like I could definitely see Palat going to to his own a different franchise and and def- breaking out like Miller did because Miller, arguably, he was probably he was definitely the best offensive player yeah. for you guys this year, like without Easily. a doubt. Um, and yeah, just. Man, Palat, they're going to need him again in Game 6. They're going to need him again in Game 7. Um, another guy I want to give a quick shout-out to is uh, Valerie Nachushkin. He is, uh, I think he's got four goals this series along with a uh, assist. The guy is also adding some zeros to his paycheck. And I remember him. In da- the reason I remember him, he had a sick name in Dallas. But yeah. I remember when he left, he got bought out. He didn't have a goal all season. I looked at and I watched him play too. The guy had speed, he had size. And I was like, man, there's no way. How could someone be snake bitten this much? Yeah. And he has turned it around greatly since. So, uh, shouts out to Nachushkin. Um, I mean, going from being bought out by the Dallas Stars to <laughs> uh, one win away from the Stanley Cup. Um, Betnar also talked about Kemper as well post game. He said, I would have liked to, he was okay, would have liked to have the first one. Um, yeah. So, Maybe that that wakes Kemper up in Game Six, and uh, we got a good series here, man. It's the games have been tight. Yeah. Um, I got a buddy who's uh, he says that if Maroon wins four, he's buying his jersey. So really, yeah. I don't I, know man, what team he'll buy it from though, because you know. But still, that's that's well, that's just sick. You got to get Big Rig on the back, yeah, for sure. You can't get Maroon. <laughs> no, it, it's not not the same. He he's looked good too, man. Yeah, like I know, like he doesn't get a whole ton of ice time, but like that Maroon Belmar and Riley Nash line, like they're effective, man. They can they don't uh, oh, yeah. they don't give you any free shifts. Um, game six predictions, Riley. I know uh, what do you? I know we think this is going seven, but what do you kind of see game six unfolding like? Ah, uh, it, it could go so many ways, to be honest. I I think Colorado really needs to pray that Kemper pulls it together. Um, and hopefully he's out of his own head by now so that he can just play his game and give Colorado that advantage that they need. Mm-hmm. But um, on the other hand, like things are calling kind of falling into place for Tampa right now. Like it's going where they want them to. Vasilevsky looks really good right now, which he, he looked not very good to start this series. And He's more dialed, which is exactly what they need. I don't. Did you see him running around pregame, staring at all of his teammates in the hallway, like a psychopath? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> that was crazy. I was like, it's, I mean, it's not crazy. It's a goalie thing. He's just a goalie, if I'm being honest. But yeah, he looks dialed, um, and everyone else looks focused. So, um, I think it's going to be another close game. 
possibly an overtime for this one. Um, and I could, I could see it going either way. Um, just, you know, by how this series started for the Avs, they could definitely uh, be able to close this one out. But I don't know. I say if, if Tampa wins this game six, they win seven for sure. Oh, like, yeah. I no, think the, locked, the Avs don't right? come back. The no. Avs do not come back from that. Yeah, the Avs have a tough time closing out series against uh, teams that are closer to their skill level. So that's been re- real rough for them. And hopefully they can they can do it in six here. But you never know. Before heading into the series, the Avalanche had only lost um, two games the entire postseason, both against the Blues. If the uh, Lightning win game six, they have accounted for more than half the losses of this Avalanche team. Yeah, and, and I think people... it's kind of expected, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that just goes to show how um, impressive that team is and how tight this series is. And I just, I think what it's going to be, I think Tampa's going to win a, a really low scoring game. I think they may, I'm going to say 2-1. I think the Lightning uh, get out to a 2 nothing lead early at home and the Avs uh, try and claw back. They maybe get one past Vassy, but then he he's lights out. Like you said, he's been looking dialed. I think Vassy's you like you said he's he's been starting to improve a little bit but i don't think he's had that game where it's been like oh yeah, yeah. like this is the best goalie in the world 100 um and i think he's due for that and i think he wants it bad and uh then we will have game seven which will be tuesday night in colorado um i'm interested to see after this series too the injury list for tampa yeah um <laughs> They look, they look slow, man. They just look hurt, <laughs> every single one of them. Yeah, you're not wrong um, at all. Um, anything else you want to touch on before uh, we move on to the? Um, I want to get your prediction on who's going to score first tomorrow. Ooh, who opens the score? Uh, the big rig. <laughs> nice. I like the, the big rig. That'd be a big momentum shift. He's getting <laughs> spark the who sparks a bench better than a pat maroon nobody like it (laughs) (laughs) what about you who do you got uh i'm gonna take ross colton just because i like him yeah that's a good pick he's i feel like he's due for a goal as well too haven't really uh seen him lots this series um moving on the coaching carousel right now is crazy like it's it's been a it's been something to to deal with. So let's. I'm just going to go through uh, some teams here with with new head coaches. So the one that caught me by the most surprise was uh, Paul Maurice yeah. with the Florida Panthers. The guy, like four months ago, resigned from the Jets, saying they needed a new voice, and he was burned out. He he had lost his love for the game, and he's already back um, in a coaching position. Yeah, I, I just find it a little odd. Yeah. I- I agree, especially uh, maybe he's just going to retire. You know, he just wants to go live somewhere nice. <laughs> maybe, maybe have a little bit of an easy, easy job too with a, a yeah. sweet team on paper. What do you? How do you feel about Andrew Brunette, who who kind of he was the interim coach, and apparently there was uh, maybe a little bit of conflict or some bitter feelings that he didn't uh, get get the position back. I don't think I heard anything about that actually. So yeah, like Andrew, I I don't know if that's uh, facts too. That was just rumors that I had seen on on social media. So don't quote me on that. But uh, you have to think like Andrew Burnett, who was in the Jack Adams conversation. You got to think that that bugs him a little bit. But I don't think 
no disrespect to, to Brunette either, but man, you had a sweet team in front of you. You didn't play much different after Quenville was let go. Yeah. Um, and I think you're what the Florida Panthers were showed in the playoffs. Like they were a team that came back so many times in the regular season and won in overtime all the time. Yeah. And they're like, they struggled with the Washington capitals. They struggled. They got smoked by the lightning, just completely outclassed. Um, I think a guy like Paul Maurice, if he's got his love back, then great. He's back at the rink. I'm interested to see what he does with his, his, this system with, uh, with a lot of good players in front of him, he's got a decent decor. And the biggest thing I think that's followed Maurice throughout his career, he never really had that starting goalie till Hellebuck. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see what he does with with Bobby uh, in the crease. And I think a big thing with him as well is, like you said, is the love for the game. If he has it back or not, right? Because if there's a coach that's if he's just doing it to do it right now, mm-hmm. you gotta wonder how effective he's gonna be. And maybe pl- with like ha- say halfway through the season, even next year, he gets it back just by seeing a team play well around him, some kind of situation like that. But you gotta hope that he's doing better in that headspace. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, the the Dallas Stars hired Pete DeBoer, and man, okay, we gotta we gotta change something here. We need to stop <laughs> recycling the same head coaches. I like do not understand in any way why Pete DeBoer has another job in the NHL as a yeah. head coach. Guys, thought, it's over. I thought it's it was done. so offside when that report came out. Like, shocked. Uh, what changes? Like, <laughs> like I don't. We have the same. I feel like coaches. Uh, you know, like at a water park or like a, a <laughs> public pool. Like when the lifeguards just switch chairs, <laughs> they just do that in the NHL, but with coaching positions. Yeah, like one hundred percent. It's a it's a boys' club for sure. Like DeBoer passes Cassidy as he's leaving his office and thinking, yeah. oh, yeah, just see head you, into man. the next state. Oh, yeah, see you around. Like, <laughs> Pete DeBoer is is a great regular season coach, at least from what his record shows. He can get teams to the playoffs with skill. Yeah. But, man, this guy gets outcoached every single year in the post. He got outcoached by Dom Ducharme and the Montreal Canadiens last year. Guys, can you? Uh, this is not. Are you allowed to change your coaches right before playoffs? You probably could <laughs> just fire I mean, him. Bring in I trots mean, right in before the, the playoffs start. You know what, man? If I was a team, just spend the money. Probably be worth it if you won. <laughs> yeah, but, give it a shot. And I don't like. DeBoer's had some like skilled teams to work with, right? Yeah. Like it was it was San Jose in there um, when they were still good. And then it was Vegas, who has um, about $30 million over the cap team. Yeah. And now, like, he's going to the Stars and nothing against them. He's got a goalie to work with, but they, like, the Stars That's don't, about it. they don't wow you, you know? It's, They're so boring it's not, right now. Ah, uh, man. I, I, like, I feel bad for Ottinger because, man, that kid's going to be good, but his the start of his career is going to be quiet in Dallas. And, spe- like, that's a, Speaking of Ottinger, like, holy man, like, DeBoer with how he's handled his goalies. Yeah. Like, just in Vegas. Like, the the whole Laner situation saying he he was hurt and then he wasn't. And then uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, like, remember the Alan Walsh tweet with the stab and the, the yeah. sword in the back? Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting decision. I can't wait to see Dallas finish bottom five next year. Uh, <laughs> that'll make me very happy. 
and then he'll probably go coach in Arizona because yeah. he's never going to leave the league. <laughs> um, I'm serious, man. We keep using the same coaches every time. Like, does it not get like I've? It'd be more exciting just to see some new blood, like just yeah. different ideas. I think we're getting close to a shift in coaches for sure. A lot of these guys are hitting their uh, their age on the way out, but. Yeah, hopefully it's sooner than later that we, like you said, get some new blood in here. Like, let's go back to John Cooper. Like, he sees this news and he's like, oh, perfect. Okay, that's just one less system I have to worry about. I've yeah. outclassed this guy for the last how many years? Mm-hmm. Like, he already knows how just, his teams play. So, it's, yeah, it's not, it doesn't matter really what who the players are, right? Oh, boy. The, you're right. A boys club. There, there's no other way to put it. Now, a little bit hypocritical moving on to the next guy. John Tortorella. Yeah. He's in Philly. <laughs> it's going to be a – oh, man. It's going to be a tire fire in that city. I'm I don't, so excited. I am too, man. I just – I can't wait to watch every post game. Maybe this is just a publicity stunt, honestly. You think so? <laughs> I would be surprised. Dude, um, a lot like everyone was saying, like it's a fit made in heaven. Like Tortorella embodies that Philly style. Yeah. Um, we, I had been saying that I think it's going to be a train wreck just because of um, they're both both Flyers fans and Tortorella himself are the most stubborn people in the world. Yeah. Um, I, like <laughs> who was was it Dubinsky with the the tweets saying like prayers for Philly or something? <laughs> I, I'm not sure who it was, but I saw the tweet. Poor Cam Atkinson, too. Couldn't even escape him. Left Columbus, yeah. thought maybe he'd get better, and then he's back back coaching him. Yeah, that's um, tough. Look, man, if there's one thing, we saw it with Torts in Columbus. Like He can get a room to buy in with a, a mediocre on-paper team. Yeah. Um, the, the thing with, I find the trend with John Tortorella, he has a shelf life, and it's... He can keep the room's attention for so long, and then it fizzles out. Yeah, and then... we've seen that time and time again, where the players stop buying in. Right, they get tired mm-hmm. of it. It's, it seems like he just rehashes whatever his message is to the team, and like you said, that only works for so long with most people and like most of the guys in this league. So, I think there's a lot of players he'll have have fun working with, though. Like mm-hmm. I think Couturier, he's gonna fall in love with. Yeah, I don't. I don't see how those two don't get along or um, like even on the back end, a guy like Provorov, I think he can really help him out. Um, who knows how many headaches Rasmus Ristolainen is going to cause for, <laughs> for torts, but I don't know. Philly's going to be fun. They got a free agency coming up. Hopefully they make some, some big moves. You know, Chuck Fletcher, he doesn't always, uh, he likes to spend money that he probably shouldn't. So, yeah. um, Oh, I'm so happy. Just fucking go. John Tortorella <laughs> is in Philadelphia. Yeah. And the part that makes it all better, he wasn't even their first choice. Barry Trotz turned down seven million a year to go coach there. Yeah. I don't blame him. <laughs> I do I do not either. Um next up on the list, we've got uh Bruce Casty in Vegas. I think that's a, a solid upgrade, yeah. honestly, for the Knights. Um can't no complaining just, there. No, absolutely not. Uh, Jay Woodcroft got extended um, to a three-year deal in Edmonton, which uh, they did play very well under him. I yep. mean, a conference final appearance, even though they, they didn't win a game there, they still 
looks like uh, a team with some promise to maybe help get Connor and Leon to that next level. Yeah. And uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, a few days ago hired Luke Richardson as their new head coach. Um, really like, personally really like what the Hawks are doing. Kyle Davidson is the, the GM and uh, uh, Luke Richardson now kind of uh, the former assistant coach. Now, remember he coached two games um, against the Golden Knights for the Canadians when Dom Ducharme had COVID mm-hmm. onto that uh, Stanley Cup run. And I'm no word of a lie, those were the best two games the Habs looked the entire playoffs. Yeah, they played great. They everyone mm-hmm. they seemed a lot more calm and um yeah, I think he'll do good um with that group. It was it was shock and the Montreal Canadiens just kept finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot because he didn't speak French, which yeah. Oh, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> we'll take him. I, I really like the hiring of Richardson. I think, I really think he can work out here in Chicago. I think he's got a hell of a challenge in front of him, especially if a guy like DeBrincat's gone. Yeah. And who knows what's happening with Taze and Kane? But uh, I think that's a guy. It's a it's a young rebuilding team. It's a it's a young, new, fresh coach with fresh ideas. Um, I really like the move that uh, the Hawks made there. Um, and that's pretty much it. We can also touch on trots. Um, it, it sounds like he's not going to go in into coaching this, this season at least. Yeah. Um, which understandable. Why not? I, he could come back in five years and I think any team would, would kill to have him. So yeah, he'd probably come back with a fresh new game plan, ready to go. Try something out one more time. Absolutely. So, uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy some time off trots. You've, you've, earned it really you have um, deserved so just some kind of uh outside news the new york rangers um apparently there's arthur staple reported on this um apparently there seems to be some disappointment from chris Drury um in terms of artemi panarin's play in the postseason yeah. and um we kind of talked about that as well how panarin you you saw him out there, but he wasn't, I think, as effective as uh, maybe most people would have expected or liked. Um, yeah. But th- this is big news. Like he was he was unhappy with his performance, and um, he also reported if there's a rift between Chris Jury and Panarin, he could request a trade out of New York, which would be a huge loss for that that team. Yeah, they they need someone like him. Uh, he's a great player, um, and. Like you said, he just did not, he didn't play good these playoffs. He was quiet and seemed to just kind of float around the ice. He didn't have much of an impact at all when he needed to. Here's where I'm going to defend Panarin, though. Like, really, um, I get he's got a huge contract and he's almost getting close to his 30s, but when has he made it this far in the postseason? Fair. Like, this, like really, this is the deepest run he's had. Chicago, he was out in the first round against the Blues. Um, Columbus, they never, um, the farthest they made it was a sweep in the second round to, to Boston. Like this is probably the best and deepest run that he's had. And I think that's just some good experience that he's gotten. And I wouldn't, the Rangers, unless, you know, Drury and co make some stupid moves this off season, they're just going to go up. Like they're going to be right back here next year. Really? I don't realistically seeing him leave the Rangers in the long run. I'm sure they'll iron out these problems and it'll be fine. But yeah, people like to make noise about stuff just for the sake of making noise about it. That's true. Well, someone else making noise is Pierre-Luc Dubois telling the Winnipeg Jets that he is 
um, going to test the free agent market in 2024, which if we look at the calendar, Riley, um, it is June 25th, 2022. Yep. That is over two years away. <laughs> um, do you see this maybe as like a, a negotiating tool to like Winnipeg knows how much at a disadvantage they are based on where they're located, that it's hard to attract players. Yeah. Um, it's interesting <laughs> for sure. Uh, I don't, see a lot of people wanting to go to winnipeg at all over the next few years like it's it's winnipeg right Mm -hmm. it's cold it sucks (laughs) no one seems to like it there from what i i can tell um and yeah i don't know how much leverage dubois has to like make a change there anyways to be honest like i don't know it just that's kind of just a weird way to go about it too like i get if it's a negotiating uh ploy then absolutely but like that's two years away man like who like i don't know if that's maybe trying to light a, a fire under shovel day off like find a find a team that i can play around because yeah um i i don't think shifley's gonna be back there after next year no i it's not not a I, chance I, he wants to try something else for sure can you blame him no I, you that would you know what man that's they're one of the the saddest stories i feel in sports in terms of on ice product like you remember that 2018 run man where they ran into vegas was such a good year for the jets yeah they were like they were a wagon they could have easily went to that final yeah and won hellebuck is so good man there's no better way to put it yeah hellebuck extremely good goalie like the the problem with winnipeg man they lost that defensive core for the last few years like bufflin um like more truba was out yeah uh shipped to the rangers like it just kind of it fell apart a little bit and um i think a lot of the personalities just don't mesh as well i th- we've seen some reports throughout the years um you know with with why line was disgruntled with some of the leadership there and so and so so um yeah i don't know It'd be i see what happens with pierre luc dubois guy has played in columbus and winnipeg which are the equivalent to each of each of their respective countries so maybe he'll want to go try a, a bigger market out which is just kind of the price you pay as one of those smaller yeah. uh less intense markets um last bit of news uh, uh news i guess that i had was uh patrice bergeron announced uh, it sounds like he's going to come back for one more year with the bruins which is really good news for that team yeah. lucky us we get to probably see black and gold sweaters in may and june again <laughs> which is so Yay. exciting i'm not i'm not sick of them yet or anything no nobody is um, we're all very excited about that but uh it's hard not to like patrice bergeron the guy's just yeah. a great player and just seems like a good human being to be honest so great news for the bruins um that they they can try and take one more crack at it with this roster and i think don't know how far they'll go, but I think this really shows that it, it's it's the last dance for that yeah. crew after this year. Uh, I, I'm also uh, happy that Bergeron stayed uh, for one more year, and you're right, this is it. I thought this year was going to be it, to be honest. I thought they were this was kind of their last dance, but now with Bergeron back, I'm sure they'll do one more run and make the best out of it. Um, this week as well... Uh, we had the the NHL awards um, award show, and first of all, I want to shout out the NHL for uh, I can't, oh man, I can't remember what award it was for, but uh, oh Chris Snow, I believe is is his name. 
um battling don't quote me on that i'll double check after and uh sure um but battling als he's part of the was part of the calgary flames organization and uh presented an award and just kind of showed the the strength he's been going through and kind of uh being an inspiration to those also um fighting als so i thought that was really well done uh on his part and the nhl's part and it, it it was a pretty heartwarming moment to see him uh up on stage um, there were some some interesting ballot choices. I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple to you here. Um, one particular ballot for the Hart Trophy sparked plenty of debate. Um, this is per uh, MSN or Yahoo Sports uh, Canada, their website. Um, a certain reporter chose to leave Matthews and Connor McDavid out of his top five for the Hart Trophy. <laughs> um, don't. I, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, man? <laughs> that guy shouldn't have a vote if I'm being completely honest, because that's ridiculous. Well, you might take that back when you hear the names he put, depending how biased you are. He chose Kirill Kaprizov, Yossi, okay, Shesterkin, okay, Jonathan Huberto, all right, and J.T. Miller. <laughs> yeah, as I as you said, depending on how biased you are, I still don't think that. He's better. He was at a better season than McDavid or Matthews. That's funny because if you ask the other half of Canucks Nation, they'd probably disagree. Hey, I, I disagree with a lot of things that the other half of the Canucks fan <laughs> may say. All right, Canucks fans can get mean, man. I like know. they're just they it it's savage out there. I'm a fan. I got to deal with it. They they're me. They're worse to each other than anything. <laughs> oh God, some of them are good though. Every fan base has it. Yeah, Um, it's just the way it goes. Another lone reporter failed to put Yossi, um, whose 96 points led all defensemen in scoring this season in his top five for the Norris voting, which um, we we talked about the Norris trophy and uh, how it's kind of just about points, but still 96 points as a defenseman is unreal. Yeah, It's impressive. (laughs) It's hard to leave off your palate. Yeah. this one was this one really got me. Um, another reporter chose to give Tuka Rask, who appeared in just four games in the season, um, <laughs> gave him a third team All Star vote. Yeah, I saw that. That's like what? How does this guy even have a vote? Did you see Tuka's response? He yeah. was like so baffled, just had no clue what to say. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> um. And yeah, the, the I just thought that was pretty funny. There was uh, definitely some some good ballots out there. I really like how they show um, all the votes and stuff for the players. I think yeah. that's something nice to see as a fan. In terms of the awards, uh, Rookie of the Year went to Moritz Sider. Good. Um, kid's going to be nuts, man. Detroit showing... out so much with that guy. I love him. He's so fun to watch. He's going to be the best defenseman in the league. Yeah. He will be. He's, I know everyone go down in, in the books for sure. That that kid's good. I know everyone's on Macar's like sucking Macar's nip right now, <laughs> like milking that one dry. But like, dude, yeah, cider's next. This kid's gonna be way better. Like, he's just. They were showing like highlights too, like comparisons. Like the kid was laying huge hits in like the second game of his career. Yeah, like massive reverse hits too. Like not 
not just blindside hits like he's just bigger and stronger than like full-grown veterans right now it's gonna man detroit something with them and defensemen like they had lidstrom <laughs> and this kid's probably gonna be the next coming of him yeah at least the closest thing to like yeah detroit uh boy please don't mess that kid up because he was something special to watch this year um vesna trophy uh goes to shesterkin no shock there no deserved it earned 100%. it 100 percent. um what else was voted on the norris went to mccarr everyone's high on him yeah i mean uh it was all depending i all three candidates were worthy man headman mccarr and yossi yeah they all deserve to be in the running and yeah, it was, was an just easy, a matter like, of three-way split and yeah mccarr's got the most noise oh, yeah. around him right now so you can't really mm-hmm. argue that much and he had a amazing year and the heart trophy goes to toronto maple leafs austin matthews yeah um i personally loved the (laughs) i don't know if you saw the award show but there was a joke made about finally a leaf was winning something in the month of june it's so funny that he's won the heart more than he's won playoff rounds man like oh man (laughs) that's that's sad that's just got to eat away at them, man. Like, just hearing it that. It just gets cold like, imagine... every time it comes up, every time you do something. It doesn't matter Dude, if you the do gut. something good or bad. It's just like, ha you haven't won a playoff series. It's like that one joke that you have with, like, at your friend and your friend group, and you just don't let them live it down, yeah. and it eventually just gets to the point where it, you just wish it would stop. <laughs> um, like, man, the guy won argue like the most valuable trophy individual <laughs> trophy and he's getting roasted because he can't get to the second so round funny. like oh man um but yeah uh, no shocks with the awards i i think they were all pretty clear like the heart could have went either way as well like that could have went to mcdavid um yeah chessy you could have made a, an argument as well so again the awards I don't know. I I don't put much stock into the awards personally for me. Um, they're they're I, fun like they're obviously... to check on, but yeah, it's the same with me. It's it's not something that I think most of the players like get to their heads, and they shouldn't. Uh, yeah, and it, sometimes it's just out, outrageous. Like man, uh, like sometimes it, it's a good story to follow in the year. I remember Taylor Hall's MVP year. Like yeah. the guy had was almost single-handedly dragging that devil's team to the playoffs like yeah what an awesome um, run that was for them and you look at like how the heart trophies define it's the mo- player most valuable to their team in that sense man like is that not just really mcdavid's trophy every year then <laughs> yeah like, because it's him it's, it's yeah what are the oilers without him is like you know what i mean yeah so dry side was um, great we know that but like without mcdavid that team is not doing much right no not at all like so i don't know i feel like sometimes the awards are are just kind of uh presented in the wrong way in a sense like we've had this is just a points celebration and rookie like you know what also rookie of the year michael bunting was third what do you feel about guys that are you know 26 27 years old and in the running i personally don't mind it okay so I was gonna. I thought I was gonna have a different take because, like, a rookie is a rookie, right? It doesn't matter their yeah. age, and mm-hmm. people get so mad about that. Even with like Kaprizov, they're like, 
Yeah. Well, like he's older. It's like, yeah, he's older, but it's his, he's a rookie in the NHL. So it doesn't matter age wise. And I know people think like they should have to age out at some point, but I, it's whatever to me as well. I, I don't care that older guys have the chance to win it. It's like, man, they're, it's their first season in the, in the top league in the world. That's, that's going to be a big shift, whether you're coming from the K or the AHL, yeah. right. Or you're 19 coming out of junior. Yeah. So yeah, it's it. I think people make a, a bigger fuss of it than, than it should be. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all, all the news I had for today. We got game six, uh, Sunday game seven, Tuesday, it's going to happen. Uh, mark my words. Um, the NHL draft is, is approaching as well. The entry draft, July 7th and 8th, a lot of rumors of some picks are going to be flipped around. Maybe, uh, to bring it moved off the Hawks, which would just be <laughs> gorgeous. Oh, oh man. That'd be awesome. I don't want to see that, man. Um, <laughs> I, I was listening to Laz and powers. They're, uh, a Hawks podcast for the athletic and Mark Lazarus. I, I couldn't agree with him more on this, and he's been a big stickler for this um, for a long time. He's like, the draft is one of the riskiest things um, you could do. And he was talking about it on the last episode. He said, why would you want to trade uh, to bring Kit? I get you're, you're in a rebuilding mode, but you have a guy who's in his early to mid-20s, perennial 40-goal scorer. Why would you want to trade him for a, a second overall pick that you have no clue is going to pan out or not. Yeah. You have a sure thing here yeah, in the Brink kid who wants to play here. There's a lot of downsides and not a lot of upsides come that come with uh, trading to Brink it. So I agree. I don't think they should do it. I just want them to. No. <laughs> and he and he brings up, like, you know, a guy like Alak, he says the draft, it, it always changes so quick. Like last year he said Shane Wright at this time was clear-cut superstar status. Now there's people questioning if he should even go number one. Yeah. Uh, Alexis Lafreniere was supposed to come into the league and tear it up. He's had a really tough time getting started. You know, he's like, it's very rare you get a guy like McDavid or Eichel or Matthews who can come in at that age and and dominate. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of the time, these kids aren't ready. Like they're Look at 17, McKinnon, 18 man. years old. It took yeah, McKinnon like, a while exactly. to get started, and now he's one of the best players in the league. But like, you can't predict that that's going to happen. Exactly. So. And, and uh, one thing one thing I always look at with the draft, like the drafting is the easy part. Okay, you have a top three pick. It's the developing is what takes the skill and a lot really takes a franchise. Do it. Dude, the Lightning, and that's why the Lightning are so good. Look at how many players on that team were drafted there and are still there. A guy yeah. like Point was in, what was he, the third round? Um just even some big names throughout time, like Henrik Lundqvist was a, a late, late very pick in the late draft, pick. and he's one of the greatest goalies of all time. It's yeah. just, it's all about the development and players, and um, that's that's where the real challenge comes in. And the Hawks have had a real struggle with that over the last decade, so they gotta find a way to to fix that. And God, I hope they don't get rid of him. Just, oh my God. <laughs> I'll buy you a DeBrinket jersey if they trade him. Yeah, it's yeah. the team he goes to. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I oh Jesus man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough. There's Hawks fans saying like this was the worst year we had to get through. No, <laughs> we got we got such a long way to it's, go, you yeah, guys. It it's is not yet even. To come. 
we are we are so deep in it. Kyle Davidson, Luke Richardson have so much work to do. Um, it's time to start building around. Hopefully, uh, to bring Kid and Jones, but <laughs> oh boy, uh, yeah, Riley. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to to add before we end off. No, you covered uh, pretty much everything. I think I don't. Any Canucks news going on? What's pretty quiet on that front? I know Besser and Miller were kind of in uh, trade or. Yeah, they they just said they're listening right now to uh, yeah. offers, but nothing heating up at all or any talks to other teams specifically. So, yeah, I've just been uh, focusing on this cup final. I haven't seen too much besides that report. That's fair. And uh, think of the schedule we've had over the last since COVID, man. Like, it's really been a short, like even this offseason, shorter than how it usually is. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to wait like another year for a full till the schedule finally resets to normal, which is crazy to think <laughs> about. I feel so bad for like the writers and and <laughs> analysts and stuff like that. Usually they use those that July and August to kind of recharge and stuff, and it's always been no cut break. short these yeah. last few years. Yeah, so um, yeah, I guess we can end it off there. There's not much more to talk about. Game six, I'm fucking pumped. <gasps> <laughs> Um, uh, we gotta do, we gotta place a bet or something on, on our f- first goal scorers here. If it's Pat Maroon, you gotta, <laughs> what do I need? To I'll do? come, I, I'll come ice you if it's Pat sure. Maroon. I'll drive all the way to Calgary just to ice you for it. All right. You gotta get like a haircut, like Ross Colton or something. <laughs> I don't even know what his haircut looks like. Oh, <laughs> Is it... <laughs> Hold on. I gotta look this up now. Ross Colton haircut. Well, I it's also start crazy. a new job that requires me on camera, so I may I might have to <laughs> what, talk to the employee. He's got a sick flow. He does have very nice hair, actually. He looks kind of like uh, he looks like a video game character, but like in 4K. Yeah, he's kind of just <laughs> he's defined. Some really, he's very defined. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can swing that with my boss as like Paul Bissonette could getting his head <laughs> shaved on at oh, a that's game. So good. I can't believe that. that is, I know. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's leave it there, Riley. And uh, good chatting with you. We'll be back uh, def- once the final ends. Um, if it ends in uh, tomorrow as well, we'll probably take a few days to kind of just uh, decompress, let some news come out. I yeah. guarantee you we'll get that whole list of the injuries and kind of, uh, you know, who the consmite is and everything. So we'll kind of just take a, a little bit of a break from that and, then uh, start looking forward to the the draft and free agency. Yeah, and hopefully you'll have your own Wi-Fi by then. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. You know what? My neighbors were very kind about it because they move in in two weeks. So awesome. Looked at me. He's just like, "You're not going to do anything bad on it, are you?" <laughs> what? Don't know. I, I don't know what that entails. Don't know. Don't know what you're referring to, but uh, no. <laughs> what am I? What am I gonna say? Yeah, like you're not. Gonna yeah, do I'm gonna do like, some awful on. things on your Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh God! All right, well, let's end it there, Riley. Thanks for uh, hopping on, and uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.